0: It's Wednesday, July 6th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hale, and joining me in studio today for Motley Fool Hidden Gems, Charlie Travers, and for Motley Fool Stock Advisor, Jason Moser. Guys, good to see you. Good to see you too, Chris. Chris. We've got a couple of online retailers cutting ties with California, and we've got a potential bidding war for Hulu. Those stories in a moment, but we will begin in the world of search. Microsoft has struck a deal with Baidu, the leading Chinese search engine, and by the end of the year, Microsoft's search engine, Bing, will be delivering English search results on Baidu. Charlie? How much does this help Microsoft?
1: Uh, In the near term, I can't imagine it's going to be anything more than a drop in the bucket. Microsoft is a company that made $21 billion last year, and I would imagine this deal with Baidu, where the financial terms were not disclosed, wouldn't be more than a decimal point. Uh, That said, this is very interesting. You know, we kind of, and I wouldn't say just we here, but everybody who's an analyst across the country kind of beats up on Bing as being, you know, the distant second to Google in the States, and here they are being the partner of choice with. The largest search engine in china which kind of says there's a little bit more to this bing story than people giving the company credit for
0: well yeah and i mean if you're if you're baidu you're not necessarily looking to partner with google are you
1: i wouldn't think so they're the number (laughs) two uh, competitor in china and uh, the relationship with google and china has not been too friendly over the past year uh, due to concerns over their unwillingness to play ball so to speak jason what do you think yeah no doubt i think that google has to be seen as the bigger threat um, to Baidu
2: than Microsoft, and I, I was really fascinated to see the share that Bing has picked up here over the over the recent months. I mean, granted, I think it's it's more uh, this due is in the to, states, yeah, yeah, domestically speaking. I mean, I think it's it's more due to sort of Yahoo slacking off in the search department, but Bing's picked up a considerable amount of share. I think they are upwards of about seventeen percent of of actual share here domestically now. Uh, but also the the relationship that they're forging with Facebook. Uh, I think is important, and so, yeah, while Charlie mentioned we don't know the terms of this agreement and it's not exactly sure how they're going to monetize this with Baidu, uh, the fact still remains that they're they're Getting their way in there, you know they're they're getting their you know entry into China there, and, and I think it's going to play out uh, longer term as, as a role. They for, uh, really, for Microsoft.
1: they really couldn't have asked for a better way to get their foot in the door in China. Right now, they have less than one percent market share, which is appalling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I wouldn't it's have expected <laughs> this, but this is this is a demand driven uh, decision by Baidu because there's ten million English language searches a day in China, and there's there's a big difference between searching in English letters versus in the Chinese. Chinese characters, and Baidu is not really equipped to do this themselves, and that's why they were looking for a partner with this capability that they could bring over to help them out, and Microsoft was the partner of choice for them. So this is going to be very interesting.
0: Now, at the beginning of 2010, there was the whole dust-up with Google and the Chinese government and, you know, talk of censoring results and that sort of thing, and um, it seems like in some ways that sort of paved the way for Microsoft here. I mean, is is, is part of what's going on here is that Microsoft is a distant second, and they, they really can't dictate terms when it comes to censoring results?
1: They're, they're willing to respect how other cultures operate, Chris, is the <laughs> phrasing they use. Like, <laughs> it's very
0: politically correct. Very smooth, very smooth. All right. California has a new law on the books designed to boost revenue by taxing the sales of out-of-state internet retailers. In response, Amazon and Overstocked, two out-of-state Internet retailers, have ended their relationships with thousands of California-based affiliates. Uh, Jason, this is not the first time Amazon has done this sort of thing. This is not the first state Amazon has uh, sort of cut ties with. Um, uh, Before we get into what it means for their business. Help me understand sort of the whole notion of how affiliates work and and what that means to their business.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. And really this boils down to – it's a battle between taxes and jobs and then also – Figuring out exactly what the definition of physical presence is. So, if you look at Amazon, you know, across the country, they have a number of distribution centers in different states. Mm -hmm. In California, they don't have a physical presence, they don't have any distribution centers. Uh, So, what they use in California, they use these things called affiliates, where the affiliates help Amazon essentially get whatever goods and products that consumers are ordering uh, to the consumers in California. And so what we've had up until this point is when there is no physical presence, uh, the idea is that Amazon isn't going to be collecting any sales tax from those consumers because there isn't a physical presence in that state. Uh, but what's happening now is that you know states, and California in particular, is saying that, look, even with affiliates, we, we're saying that affiliates define a physical presence. We're counting that. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so, even though the, the affiliates aren't necessarily an Amazon distribution center. They do work with Amazon, and they they help Amazon get those goods and services out. So it's this it's this battle of what exactly a physical presence is that I think is going to be uh, you know what they're fighting over for a and little I while. I think
1: I would come down a little bit on the state side here because the affiliates are a key part of the Amazon ecosystem as far as allowing them to offer an immense breadth of selection. And without these affiliates, Amazon wouldn't have the business model it does today. There's absolutely, and, no question. And, right. You know, they're You're trying to right. uh, underplay the importance of these affiliates. I
2: think you're absolutely right. And the thing is, I mean, you look at it from both perspectives. I mean, I can see, you know, both sides of the argument. And I think ultimately you're right there. Amazon's going to have to fight this because ultimately what's going to result in is a big fat compromise. I mean, mm-hmm. if you take it to the nth degree, for example, and say, you know, there are no more big box retailers, we're, we're only just, you know, selling goods online, well, then everybody's just going to try to shirk off those taxes and states aren't going right. to be able to collect any taxes at all. So there has to be a compromise somewhere. And yeah, I mean, you know, as Charlie mentioned, those those affiliates are an integral part of Amazon's business. And so ultimately they are going to have to come up with a compromise, but they've got to fight. Amazon's going to fight this in order to get kind of the best deal they can get out
0: of it. And to be clear, Amazon is not in a position where they're saying we should never be paying taxes. Uh, Jeff Bezos, the CEO, has already on record as saying, look, the way to fix this is with federal legislation. But it sort of seems like until... Until we get to that point, they're, they're going to keep working out of this playbook.
2: I just bought a pair of Under Armour flops this morning on Amazon and paid taxes on those very flops, so <laughs> I don't think they're arguing that they should never pay taxes. I think they're just trying to to come up with the most fair and reasonable uh Tax scenario for for everyone involved.
1: Well, fair for them, but the reality is that sales taxes are a large component of revenue for the individual states, and they they need to rely on this uh, with where the budgets are for a lot of these uh, states. So. No
2: doubt. And you're seeing you're seeing some states even playing uh, you know playing in favor of Amazon here by saying, okay, hey, we'll go ahead and let you bring those distribution centers into our states, and we'll waive those tax regulations for you for five years or whatever to get those jobs here. And, and they're feeling the jobs. They, they figure instead of the taxes, they want the jobs. to sort of create that economic activity, taxpaying uh, you know employees, and that would that would stimulate the economy in, in that way. And, and I mean, there's there's you know argument there as well. Uh, it's it's not something that's going to be resolved quickly or easily. I think it's going to be a lot of back and forth. Uh, but ultimately, you know, like I said, we're going to see we're going to see a compromise here at some point. And finally, Disney CEO
0: Bob Iger said he and the other owners of the online video site Hulu are, quote, committed to selling it. The other owners include News Corp and Comcast Corp's NBC Universal. Charlie, there's a reported 8 to 12 potential buyers for Hulu, including Google, Microsoft, and Yahoo. Uh, the price tag uh, seems to be somewhere in the neighborhood of $2 billion. Who you got your money on?
1: Chris, I really hate to sound like a Microsoft shill, um, <laughs> but Microsoft is my front runner. In the Hulu battle, and the reason is that the Xbox Live platform that Microsoft has built out, where they have tens of millions of members paying them 50 to 60 bucks a year, is not just a gaming platform. It's an entertainment platform where you can get your Netflix, ESPN3. Already you can get Hulu Plus. Uh, I think rolling Hulu into this existing entertainment ecosystem is a natural fit, and Microsoft is better positioned than any of these other companies to uh, maximize the value of Hulu once they bring it in.
2: Jason, who are you betting on? Would you believe me if I told you that I snuck a bit in there? <laughs>
0: I mean, no. not okay. all of the potential bidders have been reported, so, you know, sure. Well, I'm we didn't
2: talk about realistic bidders. Moser,
0: uh, Moser Corp.
2: Okay. <laughs> something like that. Um, I, I think Charlie's Microsoft call is a good one. I, I wonder if Google might not be in there as well. I mean, with the, you know, Google TV, their experiment uh, didn't quite go over so well. I know they like a chance at that again. And with this recent Google+, Plus, I wonder if they're not thinking about some way to sort of, you know, integrate something like Hulu into that. They're obviously very well very well capitalized. Um that definitely will be interesting to see. Why,
0: why aren't these guys taking Hulu public? I mean, it, when you look at some of the companies that have gone public and the valuations they've gotten and the money that's been raised, wouldn't they
1: be able to just raise a ton of cash taking Hulu public? I would certainly think so, and I think that's a strategic decision they have to make uh, going public wouldn't necessarily fix the problem on the board of directors' angle where you have representatives from all these competing companies you know so they would have to roll over the board and so it's probably actually much cleaner just to sell the company off
0: so it, it, it so is the hidden message here that we don't play well together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you the, look at, There are too many headaches with running Hulu, so we're just going to sell it. And if you look at
2: Hulu, I mean, I guess their main competitor would be Netflix. Is that right, Charlie? I would think so, Yeah. So then maybe, I, I got to believe maybe at, at Hulu, they're a little bit, have to be at least a little bit intimidated, kind of wondering what do they have to do to take it to that next level to go up against something like a Netflix- and maybe they, they feel like their best opportunity is is to, you know, find find the best bid.
1: And that's where it comes down to where deals aren't just about the numbers. It's about, you know, having a partner and in a infrastructure to support your business. And maybe they get that with either a Google or a Microsoft in a better way than they could as a standalone company, even if IPOing would bring in more money. That's a great point.
0: So if the numbers were equal on these bids and you're in the room, you're Comcast, you're News Corp, you're Disney. Is there one company in particular that you want to steer the deal towards, or is there a company that you're just steering away from? Again, the money's equal. You're going to get the same money
1: either way. What do you think? I, I, w- I would imagine they would want to stay away from companies like Verizon or AT&T. I mean, they're, they're mortal, mortal enemies of Comcast.
2: Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, I I don't know that really you could go wrong ultimately with Microsoft or Google. But steering away from those telecom quasi, not sure what they are even anymore companies, you know, I think that'd be what they'd be trying to avoid.
1: you guys watch Hulu at all? Uh, My wife watches a bunch of shows on Hulu. Uh, I'm not much of a TV watcher myself, though.
2: Every once in a while I've seen some of those, you know, SNL skits, stuff like that, Mother Lover, those real funny ones. That's how (laughs) I actually uh, (laughs) – Found Hulu at first was was all those funny SNL skits.
0: Because you're too old, like me, you you just can't stay up to watch Saturday Night Live. It's just it's oh, I can't make it that late. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. not anymore. Right. Those days are over. Jason Moser, Charlie Travers, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.